0: Father, as we open our Bibles again today, would you speak to us? Would you just use your word to challenge and change our lives? And Father, I just pray that this would be a very meaningful time, that we would not be bored with your Bible and that we would pay attention and and we would listen and we would think and we would learn and we would let it transform us. Father, we thank you for these times as we gather each Sunday morning where you accomplish your purpose through your word, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and through the preaching of the word. Father, we need this time and uh, and we embrace it and we ask you to use it in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Well, I wonder if you uh, recognize these yellow footprints. Uh, this is a picture of. Yellow footprints that are painted on the pavement along the sidewalk where buses are unloaded at Paris Island. Some of you have been there and you stood on those footprints. I was thinking about these footprints. I don't know a lot about the Marine Corps. I've never been, never been to Paris Island. I'd like to visit sometime. My nephew's been home and he's in the Marines right now. And so we were sitting on the deck the other night and he was telling us stories about Paris Island and all that he's experiencing as he has been trained and is now uh, driving an amphibious vehicle out on the west coast of California. But as we turn to Matthew chapter 16 this morning, these yellow footprints kind of speak to us. Now you imagine being a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid getting off the bus. He's still dressed in his civilian clothes. He's decided to leave home and he's gonna go to Paris Island and he's gonna become a Marine. And, and this is a point of impact in his life. He gets off the bus, and all of a sudden, a drill instructor is screaming in his face, telling him to move and put his feet right on these yellow prints. And they're representative of a new point in his life, a point of no return. The reason they put their footmarks there and paint the marks down on the pavement is because you no longer belong to yourself. You no longer think for yourself. You no longer do for yourself. In fact, you don't even know where to put your feet. We will show you where to put your feet. Don't think, don't talk. Just do what I say, boy. And by the way, I'm your new mama. I'm your new daddy. You have an entire new life. That's a little bit the mindset that we encounter with Jesus as He lays down His yellow footprints for us in Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 24. We started into this passage last week. We did not finish it. I think you'll find it helpful to grab your sermon notes out of your bulletin and make it your practice to follow along with that, and it strengthens and reinforces the message. I also filled in the first two points. Now, I want you to have these yellow footprints in mind today as we work our way through this passage, because in a lot of ways, Jesus is pointing to these yellow footprints, and he's saying, stand in, I'll show you where to stand, I'll tell you when to walk, I am your new master, I am now uh, the captain of your new life. This passage is admittedly um, included in what we would call the hard passages, or the hard teachings of Christ. It has a little bit of a punch in the mouth to it. And um, it's strong language. So we're trying to grasp it. We're trying to let the Spirit of God teach us through the Word of God, through the exercise of preaching, that we would understand exactly what this means to be a follower of Christ. Let's reread the passage this morning. We're particularly focused on verses 24 through 26. We'll get a running start at chapter 17 next week and pick up 27 and 28. But let's read them today. Uh, You follow along in your copy of God's Word. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 24. And then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Coming in his kingdom. It's a powerful passage of scripture. We were trying to identify what Christ's call entails. And in so doing, we're saying that Christ's call is, first of all, normal. We want you to understand that what Jesus is teaching here and his call to follow him and in so following him and standing in on his yellow footprints is to deny myself and it is to take up his cross. And take up my cross and follow Him. Let's make clear that uh, the cross that He's talking about too is not just some burden in my life. This is a specific reality that He's talking about. But this is the normal call of Christ on our lives. I want you to uh, remind you from last week that, that Jesus is not talking about two different kinds of tiers or levels of Christian living. There are those who've been to the cross and they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and we don't want to minimize that in any way, in any form. When you admit your sinfulness and you go to the cross and you bow your head and, and you ask God to forgive you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that is the most crucial moment in anyone's life. But what you need to know out of this teaching today is that it doesn't stop there. And so what Jesus is saying, and this is His most repeated Phrase this idea of deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. He said that over and over in his teaching, and it is not to be taken as as some kind of commando or special force Christians. We've used Jim and Jim Elliot and Nate Saint in 1956, leaving family, leaving loved ones, flying in a little plane and landing on a sandy beach along the Cure River in Ecuador, South America, building a treehouse and reaching out to the Alca Indians. And there they gave their lives as they were speared to death for the cause of the gospel and trying to reach these folks for Christ. And we tend to think when we see this passage, all right, they had to deny themselves and they had to take up their cross and follow Jesus in this level of like super duper Christianity. And that's just not for everyone, that's just for the super duper commando green beret Christians. And I want you to get that out of your mind that this is the normal call of Christ on all of his disciples. You will stand in my yellow footprints and I am your new master and you will do what I say. And I am the one who rules over your life. I do want to emphasize that we're not talking about any kind of a work salvation here. It's not like you have to add something to your salvation experience, but that this all comes with the package. You just might not have realized it. And you come to the cross out of conviction of your burden for sin. And you accept Christ. And that alone is by faith. That is believing that God's Word is true. And He means what He says. And He'll keep His Word. And that Jesus has already taken your sin and paid the penalty on the cross for you. And by faith, you just accept His salvation and His righteousness on your behalf. And it's a done deal. And you don't work. You don't say, you don't have to count beads. You don't have to put money in the offering plate. There is no works involved. And so, you deny yourself though. You, you stop living according to your agenda and your work salvation. And, and you come to Christ and you, you embrace the cross for your salvation. And so, this is talking about the point of salvation, but it's also talking about a point of surrender. It's interesting, and you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where, um, where Luke has this, he says... You take up my cross daily and follow me. So we don't get saved over and over. We come to the cross, we accept his salvation and because of that, we follow him as disciples in obedience and daily we have to surrender ourselves, dying to the flesh, dying to the old man. The old is gone and the new is come. And so we deny ourselves and take up his cross. This call to take up our cross and follow him is a point of salvation. It is also a point of surrender for daily living in overcoming the flesh. And it is the call of every disciple of Christ. Stand on the yellow tracks, follow me, do what I say. You are no longer your own. You have to die to yourself. We identified that as a normal call for Christ on his disciples, but we also identified it secondly that this call of Christ is radical. It is radical. We define that as being extreme Uh, Being thorough, nothing left over. The idea is that it goes against every part of our natural man, doesn't it? Every part of our natural flesh. We want to be the masters of our own universe. We want to satisfy our own desires. We have our own agendas. And we're not always willing to come to the cross and lay that down and say, Okay, Jesus... I'm no longer mine, I am yours. In fact, proud, arrogant people don't do that. Only humble people, only broken people. So it is radical and it changes our value system and we have to come to the cross and we deny ourselves there. The Greek word there means to completely disown. The idea is we cut ourselves off. It's like the young man or young woman getting out of the bus at Paris Island, falling in on the Yellow Steps, and they now have disowned themselves. They are now under the ownership of the Marine Corps and they will do everything they say or else. They just no longer have their own identity. They don't wear their own clothes. They don't make their own decisions. They do whatever the sergeant says to do, whatever the commanding officers say to do. We want to move on to verse 24 in our passage. And we see here as we continue in verse 24 that there's this idea of taking up His cross and following Christ. This means that the call of Christ is fatal. Not only is this a normal call, not only is it a radical call, but it's a fatal call. The idea here is that I am going to die to myself. I want to say, first of all, that this passage and teaching alone destroys the myth of the health and wealth gospel that we hear in our world today. You know, come to Jesus. He wants to bless you. He wants to make you well. He wants to pay your debts. He wants to make you successful. You come to Jesus, and by the way, put money in my offering basket as you do, and God's going to give you a pink polka dot Cadillac and a big hat, and you're just going to be a success in all you do. You know what? That's not necessarily true at all. Coming to Christ might be the most difficult thing you ever do. It might dramatically change your life, even in negative ways when it comes to finances and business and what you're doing. Because Christ... Because Christ wants you to now deny yourself and you're no longer going to be the same person and you're not going to operate the way this world operates. And so it's fatal. He wants you to die to yourself and he wants you to identify with him and his cross as well. What does it mean to take up his cross? I think the idea in the the mind of his listeners would have been very clear. And as Matthew wrote this, as our Lord, recording what our Lord taught, I think that it would have been absolutely clear to his audience in this day under Roman rule. uh, Execution by crucifixion had become quite common. One of the things that they would do as a deterrent to crime, as if a criminal was appointed to death in the judicial system and they were going to be executed by crucifixion, they would have to carry the bar of their cross or the crossbeam of the cross and they would have to carry it from the area of their jail or their court hearing and they would drag it out through the street. We're familiar with this, thinking of our Lord on the way of suffering, heading to the cross, carrying His cross where he could not bear up under it. there was a weighty thing, and they've been beaten, and they they got Roman guards poking them with the ends of their spears and and kicking them, and there they are carrying their cross. It was a very humiliating thing. So one of the things that taking up his cross means is, it, it means humiliation. It means identification with Christ and his cross, and it means humiliation to the rest of the world. The preaching of the cross is what to the rest of the world? Foolishness, moronic. You're a fool if you're going to follow Jesus. In some places of the world, if you identify yourself with a cross, you get in heap big trouble, don't you? you know, I put your life on the line. You are identifying with the Nazarene, Jesus, the master of the universe, the one who died on the cross for our sin and rose again. And it's, it's transformative. It's your identification. It's part of your humiliation. The Apostle Paul captured this in Galatians chapter 2. Let's turn there for just a minute. Galatians chapter 2. I I believe the Apostle Paul probably had this very passage in mind as he wrote um, to the Galatian believers. And if you've been around church or Sunday school very long, you know this verse, Galatians 2.20. But notice how the Apostle Paul phrases this idea of, of the fatal aspect of coming to Christ. That is, it is going to be the end of myself And I am no longer going to live for me, I'm going to live for Christ. And I'm no longer identifying with my agenda, I'm identifying with Christ's agenda. And um, Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? Did Paul go to the cross? Did the Romans nail him to the cross like they did Jesus? No, nor have we. But this is just as true for us as it is for Paul. That if we are in Christ and covered with the blood of Christ and our sin forgiven at the cross, then then we can say that we have been crucified with Christ. It's a spiritual reality. It's the idea that in the mind of the Father, it's as though we've paid the penalty on the cross. But it's through Christ that it happened. and, And that's part of our identification with the cross. I've been crucified with Christ. I am marked. And I am now a dead man walking. I no longer have my own life, but I am now dead to self, and I'm given over to Christ. And I don't know that this is really a, a particularly easy concept, even though it's repeated over and over. I think in many ways I'm still trying to understand what this means. How do I die to self? That's how powerful the old flesh is. Ultimately, when we enter, the, enter glory and enter heaven, we'll be fully redeemed, won't we? And we'll shed off this body of flesh that has so many desires. But Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. You see, if it was... I, who still lived in me, I'd punch you in the mouth, and I'd curse you, and I would steal from you, and I'd, I'd shortchange you, and I would change my time card and, and add hours and minutes to my time card every day so I could make a few extra bucks every month. And when I'm driving down Daniel Road, I'd throw trash on your lawn because I was done with it. And I'd just live for me, and I wouldn't care about you. That's what I do. That's what the old man does, what the sinner does. And some of you can tell these kind of stories. And then you came to Christ. And it is no longer you that live, but it is Christ who lives in you. And He's, he's changed your vocabulary. And He's changed your, your, your way of life. And the whole way you view the world is different. And you're denying yourself now. And you're taking up your cross. And you're identifying with Christ. And, and you're part of, the, part of the group of the humiliated who are with Christ, who've been to the cross. And you're no longer proud and arrogant. And you even say it sometimes. I hear you guys say, man, ah, Pastor Van, I was... I am nothing. I am just an old dirtbag. You didn't used to talk that way until you came to Christ. And and what does that mean? It means that... You, you recognize in yourself the propensity and the tendency to, 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 for the flesh to go back to the old ways or to desire the world or to even pay money to sit down at a theater and watch and entertain yourself with the things of the world. The flesh just never gives up. We just want to do it. We just love that stuff. I'm dead to self and I'm identified with Christ and I just want to humble my heart and humble my, and bow my head before the Lord. That's what Paul's talking about, about Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I now live every day. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I believe that Jesus is real and every day I just believe to follow him. And I, I see Christ and I want to follow after Christ and I'm trying to live for Christ today. The Christian life cannot be lived apart from faith in Jesus Christ every day. You don't get resaved, but you're living out the results of your salvation You've died to self to come to Christ in salvation and you die daily. The Apostle Paul used that phrase in Philippians. He said, I die daily. What? I have to crucify myself with Christ and yield over the old ways. This is a concept to kind of fight to understand. But I think what Christ is saying, back to Matthew chapter 16, this is his normal call. It's for all believers. It's for all disciples. It is radical. It is fatal. It is fatal. I want you to see that it is paradoxical as well. It is paradoxical. Look what he says. Take up your cross and follow me. The end of verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it. There's the paradox. This this conflicting truth. You have to do this and then this will happen. But it seems opposite. What do you mean by saving myself I lose myself? Or by losing myself I save myself? That doesn't seem to make sense. Verse 25 again, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That just seems really weird. Well, for one thing, it is a teaching technique of our Lord, isn't it? Uh, The master speaks and he speaks in in this phrase that is a paradox. And the listener, the student, the disciples is supposed to, you're supposed to scratch your head right now. You're supposed to reach up and scratch your head and you're supposed to say, what in the world does that mean? And you kind of rub your chin a little bit. I'm not sure I understand this. And you're supposed to take it with you. And when you're driving to work tomorrow morning, you're supposed to be thinking to yourself, now what does it mean that by losing myself, I will find myself and that, and, and, and that if I give up my life, I will find my life and I lose my life for his sake and I'll find it. It's, it's a paradox. What, what is this? This opposite It's really crazy. It's it's paradoxical. Well, in just a minute, we're gonna pursue that concept in a real life illustration. But let me give you number five. I want you to see that the call of Christ is also an eternal call. It's eternal. Notice what he says. For what will it profit, verse 26, a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You see, he's not talking about just this life. He's talking about he's talking about decisions made now that impact us for eternity. That as disciples of Christ, we are making decisions now that influence us for eternity. See, you have this life to get ready for the next life. The Bible is clear that everyone lives forever in one of two places, either heaven or hell. And the point is that he's trying to make here is that you you can bury yourself in this life, and you can have everything you want, and you can feed the flesh, and you can be part of the world, and the prestige, and the power, and the possessions. And all of those things are part of it, right? He's talking about materialism. He's talking about worldly prestige. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? You can be the most powerful man in the world. You can be the richest man in the world. You can be the greatest partier guy in the whole world. But what good is it if you're going to lose your soul? In other words, the dash between the numbers of your birth date and your death date is a pretty brief little moment. And that's what this life is. It's just a dash in light of all of eternity, right? So you can have everything you want on the dash between your birth date and your death date. But after that, what good is it? And so there's this eternal ramification. he gives us an illustration of that in Luke chapter 12. But what I want to do for the time remaining, and it's all the time we're going to have, is I would like to now through the grid of this passage. Okay, so, so this radical call that is fatal. You're going to follow Christ. You've got to step on his yellow footprints. You've got to die to self. You've got to identify with the cross. There's a whole new way of thinking. got this paradox you got to deal with that it's by giving up your agenda, giving up everything you are that you will gain. And after all, you want to keep in mind, what good is it to gain the whole world if you're going to lose your soul anyway? And the verse, the converse of that would be it's better to gain your soul than to gain the whole world. You'd be better off to give up the world to gain your, to gain eternal life. So what does it look like when you process this through in a real life situation? Turn to Matthew chapter 19 and let's do just that. Flip the page of your notes, and there's a box there, as we, as we do an analysis of one man's encounter with Christ. I think this will be helpful as we process this passage of, of the hard teaching of Christ. So keep that teaching in mind, that everything we've been emphasizing, what the call of Christ means, keep that in mind, and then let's see how this guy handles it, and let's see how our Lord approaches it. He doesn't come out and say it directly, but he does um, he, he is going to uh, be able to uh, just kind of poke this guy in the eye with the reality of who he is, okay? Who Christ is, and the guy's got to deal with it. Let's read the text. It's Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 16. And behold, a man came, Matthew 19, 16, and behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? If you've been around Sunday school very long, you know this story. And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Or have eternal life, is the phrase there. Keep the commandments. And he said to him, Well, which ones? The guy says to Jesus, which commandments? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, Hey, great, because all of these I have kept. What do I still lack, Jesus? And Jesus said to him, if you If you would be perfect, okay, you really want to attain eternal life. Go sell what you possess. You really want to enter into my salvation. Sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had the whole world, but he didn't have his soul. And Jesus said to his disciples, excuse me, when the young man heard this, then verse 22, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciple, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. We'll stop there. Okay, so let's just, let's just analyze this guy's encounter with Christ. Okay? This guy wants what we want. He wants to enter heaven. He he wants eternal life with God, not in hell. He wants the good life. He wants to live forever and be blessed. And so he's trying to figure out, and number one, he had a life-changing opportunity. He had a life-changing opportunity. You will notice he refuses to let his life be changed. By the way, you come to Christ and you refuse to change. It doesn't work Christ is a life changer he changes everything about us this guy had a life-changing opportunity that he refused to step into but it is a great opportunity he got to talk to the living Christ how great is that to be the one who gets to have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus and he does us a favor and he asks a question and he almost asks a good question I say he almost asks a good question because notice what he asks. He said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Interesting, isn't it, that that is not a new concept, and I find people all the time who ask that question. I'm a pretty good guy. This guy thinks he's a pretty good guy. We're going to see that. And he wants to know, what can I do then To just kind of polish it off to make sure I get to step into heaven. It was almost a good question because he was asking about eternal life. But it was coming from the wrong direction, wasn't it? It was coming from a self-serving, self-driven, self-motivated position. I want to be in control and I want to take uh, charge of how I'm going to do this and I will do this. But he did have some sense of, of asking for help here. But it wasn't a very good question because it was, what good deed must I do? And listen, one thing you have to know for sure is when you come to Christ, you don't come to Christ on your formula. There is no works. There is no works that saves. It is for by grace we are saved through faith in Christ alone. That's it. Okay? This guy is really concerned about jumping through the hoops. And so we do know, look at verse 18. He said to him, when Jesus answers him, okay, at the end of verse 17... He says, if you would enter into this eternal life, then keep the commandments. All right. So this guy, he understood his Old Testament and he knew. And Since he was a little boy, he had been memorizing Deuteronomy and Exodus and Leviticus. He, he, he knew. So keep the commandments. And so verse 18 tells us, um, number three, that he really did care about being good enough to get to heaven. I think he really cared. A lot of people care. A lot of people don't want to die and go to hell. Now, I've had some buddies that don't care. They want to go to hell and party, but they're wrong. But a lot of people care. This guy cared. But it says, he said, Well, which ones? Please tell me. If you tell me which one to keep, then I'll keep it. And then I got the key to heaven. All right? So he seemed, he really didn't care. And he, and he seemed willing to listen and to obey. He seemed like he was heading the right direction. Look what it says. Jesus then quotes Exodus chapter 20. Which ones? Jesus said, of course, don't, don't murder. And can't you hear the guy's mind cranking while Jesus is talking? Don't murder. Check. I haven't murdered. You shall not commit adultery. Check. I've never slept with anybody's wife except my own. You shall not steal. I don't steal. Check. You shall not bear false witness. Check. Honor your father and your mother. I've done that. Check. And you shall love your neighbors as yourself. Check. <laughs> and so he seemed willing to listen and to obey. And he says, oh, he said, I- I've done all this. I've kept all this. I'm-, I'm there. Just tell me. what is there anything else missing? I've done this. What do I still lack? Is there anything? Just making sure I want to polish it off. And then I think he did not expect to hear what he heard next. Number five, he did not expect to hear what he heard next. Look what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, okay, if you're going to have the perfection that is good enough to get you into heaven before a holy God, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. Isn't that interesting? Uh, You're not forgetting Matthew 16, right? 24, 25 and 26 Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. He said, in the paradox of following him, okay, we got a real life guy here, he's, Jesus is working him. And the guy thinks, he's checked off his list and he's done everything. And then Jesus, so what is Jesus doing? Is Jesus, is Jesus introducing to us another form of salvation? Is he adding to the equation that gets us eternal life? In other words, if this gets me eternal life, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, then come follow Jesus. Let's do this. Everybody go home. Have a huge yard sale. Sell everything. Empty your closets. Sell it. Sell your house. Sell your car. Sell your lawnmower. Sell your clothes. Put on old sackcloth robe. Eat honey and locusts and follow Jesus out into the desert and we have eternal life. Is that what he's saying? It's not at all what he's saying. Jesus is still talking to the guy about whether he's really kept the law. The guy is telling Jesus, I've kept the law. Check, check, check. He does not. And so now he's caught in a huge dilemma. Because Jesus is is breaking him wide open. And exposing his value system. Remember, to deny myself and take up my cross, it, it dramatically changes my value system. We had that point already. And this guy, letter A, Jesus exposes his value system. Jesus is exposing his selfishness. And Jesus is exposing, letter C, his self-righteousness. His selfishness and his self-righteousness. What do I mean by that? Well, this guy thinks he's kept the law. Jesus is still back on that point. This guy's starting to think about fact that he has great possessions, because let's let our eyes go down there. What do I still lack? End of verse twenty. Verse twenty one and he said to him, it would be if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, come follow me. In other words, give up to gain. There's the paradox, right? Give it up and then you'll gain. So Jesus is encountering this guy at a lot of levels that we're seeing in, in Matthew 16. When the young man heard this, then he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He refused to identify with the cross. He refused to deny himself. He did not want to give up this world to gain his soul. In fact, he gave up his soul at this point to gain the world. It's all right there. So what was Jesus proving to him? He said, I've kept the commands. I'm really good. I got it. And Jesus said, but love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy said, check, 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 check. I've done it all. So then Jesus knows that he's checked a couple that he shouldn't have checked. And he says, go sell everything. And then the guy walks away sorrowful. He refuses to do that. Why? Because that proved, Jesus proved in your face like a punch in the nose, you do not love your neighbor as yourself. Because if he did, he would be able to give his stuff away to his neighbor. Think Now get that phrase in your head. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so I really like um, Dairy Queen peanut cluster blizzards. I don't eat them very often. Especially when Janet's with me. Let's go to Dairy Queen. No, we don't go to Dairy Queen. We're already fat enough. But then once in a while, the other day, she said, ah, I want a blizzard. And we always get peanut cluster blizzards. So let's say you're out and you know, that, you, you know that feeling and you get it on your mind. It happens every once in a while when I'm mowing and I decide I want to stop and get a Mountain Dew. You just make up your mind. I, I really want to do that. So you're going through the Dairy Queen drive through and you're going to get a peanut cluster blizzard. And you order it and you are anticipating it and you, you really, really are in that moment where that blizzard is really important to you. I think a lot of people are gonna go for ice cream tonight. <laughs> and you drive through the drive-thru, and you're over in Ranson, and there's Alonzo Puller in his frontier van. And he rolls down his window. PV, good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm good, brother. What you got there? <laughs> I ain't got nothing. <laughs> What do you mean? Is that a peanut cluster blizzard? PV, I love peanut cluster blizzard. Okay, get the phrase now. Love your neighbor as yourself and know how much you're really ready to eat this blizzard. And then you reach through the window and you say, Lonzo, let me give you this peanut cluster blizzard. And he takes it and he enjoys it and you roll up your window and drive away and you are just as satisfied as if you had eaten it yourself. That's what it means if you loved your neighbor as yourself. Anything less means you did not. And think about it. We're no good at loving our neighbors as ourselves. I never like it for you to eat ice cream without me. Right? Do You see what Jesus did? He poked the guy right in the eye. The guy's checking off his list of self-righteousness. And Jesus exposes this self-righteousness as though he screamed in his face, you do not love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you loved your neighbor as yourself, you would be able to go sell all everything you own. And you know, I suspect that if the guy would have headed home to sell his stuff, Jesus would have stopped him and said, I was just checking to see if you were really willing to do that. It's not part of the formula of salvation. It's part of denying myself, taking up my cross What he says... Your selfishness and your self-righteousness is exposed and your value system really is of this world. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, clearly it's, a, it's paradoxical, it's eternal. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and keeps all his stuff but forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it yeah, it's radical, it's fatal, it's paradoxical, it's eternal. Check this picture out right here. I about wept when I saw this picture. I I don't know, I don't know what's going on here really, but I think what I think is happening is this guy went through Paris Island, didn't he? And he did what Marines do, and he went to the battlefield, and he lost his legs. And what I think is happening in this picture is I think he's going back to where it started, the point of no return in his life. He's going back to remind himself, this is where it started. This is where I put my feet on the yellow marks. This is where I gave up myself. And I began to deny myself myself. And I came to the point of full commitment. This is where I got my new master, my new objectives, my new goals. This is where I gave up this world for another objective. So Jesus lays out the yellow footprints. He says, come stand on these marks. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. You see, by giving up, you're going to gain everything. And what good will it do you, my man, if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? And the young man went away sad because he had a garage with a beautiful bass boat. And he had a great bank account. And he just didn't trust Jesus enough to deny himself and to identify And to mortify the flesh and identify with the cross. So you got to take the message from here. you got to take the message from here. I am not talking about a work salvation, but I'm talking about dying to self. Only humble people come to Christ. And then I'm talking about a daily surrender. This passage is about, about dying to self for salvation and dying to self for daily surrender. To walk after Christ. Will you stand with me and close in prayer? With our heads bowed, I guess it's possible that someone in here has never been to the cross before. You're still in your sin and you don't know forgiveness of sin in Christ that God loved you so much He gave Christ to die in your place. Right now, and in you're in your standing where you are, you can tell God and admit your sinfulness and believe that Jesus is the Christ and be saved. For some of us, we need to, we need to Pick up the, beep, the boom of the, the beam of the cross when I mean, I'd identify now on a daily basis, I am crucified with Christ. but nevertheless I live. I'm dead, but I'm alive. That's a paradox. I give it all up so I could gain it all. How does God want to work in your life here? In what position is Christ? Are you standing on his yellow footprints? Are you willing? to follow through with that even if it costs you your very life. I believe that what Jesus is talking about is even being willing to die phys- physically for him in that passage. Only you can process that. So father, we thank you for this challenge. We acknowledge that the teaching of our lord is hard. We don't always understand, we get things confused. I pray that uh, In some way you'll take this message today and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit you'll process and work us, conforming us to the image of our Master, that we would be disciples who are willing at any level to give up anything for Christ and to identify with His cross. Accomplish your purposes in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.